Welcome to They Mostly Potted at Night. Mostly. I am Salem, joined by my co-host Graveyard. This is episode 440 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. And boy, does this episode suck. Blood, that is. Real vampires can't walk in the sunshine, nor do they sparkle. Join us as we take a rickety carriage ride and explore Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and, of course, Renfield. And there were spoilers ahead because Renfield just came out, uh, what, the 14th? He's a good time. Right. <laughs> yeah, so the 14th. So, yeah, just just came out. So uh, be prepared for, for spoilers there. Um, I guess uh, the first movie, Dracula, would kind of count as spoilers because... It is Renfield is a direct sequel to the 1931 original Dracula. Yeah. Um, which we are, which we're of course reviewing here first, but yes, that is a official sequel. Versus, you know, son of Dracula with Alucard. And right. The cheesiness that quickly jumped from the series. Well, I mean, I was, well, yeah, I mean, truthfully, the, the first one was cheesy, but it's the first one. So I guess. Oh. You know, it's forgiven for a little bit. I think so. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we will start with uh, the original Dracula, the 1931 Dracula, starring the uh, lovely Bella Lugosi. So, Graveyard, I'll yeah. let you take that recap away. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, what, episode two, we briefly touched on the universal universe at this time in the 30s said it went from serious movies to comedies within like 10 years um but here we are finally diving back into this with fuller detail than we had before so i think we all kind of know the essential story of dracula at this point in time you know based on ram soaker's novel that came out what 1890 something around there or earlier yes it was in the uh previous century well from, yes. from when this movie was made, it was the previous century. For us, it was two centuries ago. Yeah. Um, so we kind of get, we were introduced to uh, Renfield, and you know, we already have a kind of big departure from the book. Is that Renfield never really, he never goes there, does he? No. He never visits no. Contracula. It's marked yeah, for the entire time. Yeah, in the original book, Renfield is just a crazy guy in the asylum. Um, right. He does do the, the bug eating thing. That is mm -hmm. his deal. But that's how Dracula kind of uh, cons him into letting him into the asylum in that version of the story. Right. Um, so he that's, does uh, make him a familiar, but because he's already mentally unstable, he's able to get into his mind a hell of a lot easier. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, but he thinks that eating bugs gives him power. So, like, it's very easy for Dracula to be like, well, yeah, I eat people to get power. You want to be more powerful and eat people? He's like, sure. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. So he, then he, he lets him in because, yeah, because he needs to be invited in. So, right. And I would honestly say that this version of this movie, this, this is the grandfather for everything we think about when it comes to Dracula. You know, we have. The way Dracula talks is because that's Bela Lugosi's actual accent. Right. Right. Yeah. And then everything's parroting his actual accent. It wasn't a choice by Bela Lugosi to do that voice, but it's so parody because that's synonymous with Dracula. Well, I mean, and, and to be fair, like Dracula coming from, um, you know, well, Transylvania, 
or, or Romania is was was canon. Like that's where he yeah. came from, and that's where Bela Lugosi came from. So he was just like kind of like perfect for them. They're like, yeah, we need a foreign guy from Romania. There he is, perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, Renfield's you know is going to he's we were debating this before we start. Is he a let's call him a real estate agent or a clerk or you know they call him a solicitor in this. Um, essentially, he's going there to finalize the sale of Carfax Abbey to Count Dracula. Um, he, you know, it's a long trip from England to the Hungarian Budapest Romanian area there. Because they said what Transylvanian borders like three states. I think those were the three states. Yeah. Well, I, again, this is three states back then. Who knows? I have the, no the, idea what the map looked like at that the point. Old in time. country. This, like, when, <laughs> right. when someone says the old country, they mean this area. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I, again, this is before World War One. This is before the USSR. I mean, who? I don't yeah. know what the countries look like <laughs> at this point at all. So, yeah. Um. So essentially, he's you know this is a he has a uh, layover essentially in the village because he has to change carriages at that point in time. Um, and we get very, I think, perfectly atmospheric village like you. Like you feel like you are in the old country that have the superstitions that have the lore there, um, you know, like oh, we're going, to, I'm going to, you know, Castle Dracula. And like it's like oh no, you, you got to take this cross. We don't dare go there after dark. Um, so he switches carriages. Like one's waiting for him. Like only one particular carriage goes to the castle, right? And we see like uh, horrifically. Not OSHA safe road <laughs> because it's sheer cliffs essentially on both sides. Right. Um, you know, he kind of goes, you know, hey, how how close are you? You're going way too fast. Slow down. Sees a sheer cliff, but the driver has disappeared. But instead, there is a bat leading the horses. I gotta say that from 1931 to, um. Suspiria in the seventies, the bat looks exactly the same. Well, yeah, I don't think they. Uh, I don't know if they still have even gotten that down yet. Now, but yeah, like right. bat physics are something that people don't understand <laughs> for some reason. Right, but I mean, once you say the Suspiria bat looks exactly the same as the bat from this movie, right? Yeah, they probably uh, used the same bat. Who knows? Um. Anyway, he kind of gets there like the you know the driver disappeared he gets there he goes in and he enters the castle which is just really foreboding that huge staircase right and like that they built that and that is impressive for them building that just for a set piece i mean it's all yeah well i mean half of that is just a matte painting but yeah the I staircase know, but, is there yes yes the staircase is there but like just it's beautiful um, you know, he kind of, we get the, you know, the very familiar thing of him, uh, Dracula walking through the cobwebs and coming out unscathed and, you know, that Renfield tries to go through and he has to use his like umbrella slash cane to kind of get through it. And he's just, you know, we cut, you know, Dracula going up to the spider webs cut and he's on the other sides. Um, yeah, so he kind of uh, goes through 
there. Uh, he's, you know, he's signing all the paperwork and everything ready. He's being fed a pretty good meal by, by Dracula because he's traveled. I mean, how long do you think it would take a week to get there by carriage and, and all that stuff? Uh, I mean, who knows? Not, I mean, yeah, maybe who knows? Yeah, who knows how the roads go? I mean, those are on mountains over there. So sometimes yeah. the roads have to go all the way around. Who knows? I don't know. Right. A long time. Yeah. So Carfax Abbey, which I didn't really get for a while, it's like a city block. It's multiple houses in the Abbey area. And they start discussing, you know, what he's planning to do with it. Is he going to kind of rent it out? All that stuff. Um, well, that was, that know, was on the other one. It's still part of this. Well, in this one, they only talk about Carfax Abbey, which is like an old, uh, like monastery. Yeah, but I, I believe it's still just a big area. Well, it's it's a monastery. It's huge, right? <laughs> yeah, I imagine there's other buildings in the on the plot too, not just the monastery. That's just what I had in my head, I guess. I guess, well, I guess, because we talk about more Bram Stokers as well. Well, yeah, and, and the Bram Stokers one, they go over like the whole real estate plan and how he's buying a bunch of houses across the area. Yeah. Which they, uh, whatever, I guess we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, um, he, so talking about, you know, and this is where we get the title of the episode. He's feeding them wine. He's like, Oh, I already dinner and I don't drink. Fine. <laughs> Well, it's that yeah, <laughs> it's awkward. They they say it awkward in all of the movies. Well, I mean, everything after this one is just because of the, how awkward it is in, well, in yeah. this one. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I know they're just repeating the line, but yeah, they they say it verbatim in every single one. The the weird awkward pause in the middle mm-hmm. is it, the it, same for all. Of it's them. a very soap opera pause. Right, right. <clears throat> the delivery of it is is just fantastic and cheesy. It's so, um, you know, I think uh, at this point in time, Renfield kind of cuts himself on the papers. You know, very little, surprisingly, blood in 1931. I mean, granted, it's just like a, a drop of blood. But still, for 1931, that's, I don't think that's really ever shown. Not even to the level we get anywhere else. But still, I liked it. Um, you know, we see that. Dracula is a little tempted by it, but doesn't do anything about it. He goes into more of it later, obviously, in the next movie. Um, and, you know, Renfield has to stay the night there. Uh, and then we kind of get... Uh, he, he's shown to his room. He's taken care of. And then he kind of looks out the window, and he sees Dracula kind of outside, and he starts hypnotizing him. And what I find very interesting in this one, as opposed to all the other parodies, especially Dracula and Dead and Loving It, is that we don't really hear Dracula talking. He does it all mentally, so we don't hear it. Yeah, when he, when he's doing it, they do like a, the camera angle where the light mm-hmm. just shines on his eyes. Eyes, right. And he holds out his one hand in like this weird like claw mm-hmm. <laughs> position, and then that's it. That's that's like when he when he's doing that, that means you're being hypnotized. But we, we don't hear the hypnotized stuff. It just assumed right we we hear we hear it every other movie after this right and Dracula. but this one it is purely we don't know what's being said but it's just the idea of hypnosis just through looking at someone's eyes which is a huge thing in lots of other movies too especially with hip- hypnosis 
Um, but yeah, he kind of then faints, and then we get the least sexy version of Dracula's wives in this movie. Well, and again, yeah, this they is the only really... appearance that they make is they just show up for this little tiny scene and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's it. Yeah, I mean, Dracula's Wives has always been the thing. There's been lots of movies about, you know, Dracula's Wives as well, and Seven Dollars Dracula, blah, blah, blah. Um, he, you know, but they're, they're essentially, I feel like they're going to eat Renfield and drain him, all three of them. Um, and, you know, seductive for 1931. Uh, but Dracula comes in there, kind of waves him off, and then he kind of attacks Renfield himself, and he's kind of then fully... A, a familiar of a dragon. I don't know if I really like that term familiar though for vampires. Well, they don't use that term in this movie at all. They don't really yeah. use it in the book either. Um, yeah. he's just he's just like his a servant, servant or whatever. Like he just serves him. That's yeah, because he calls um, him master. Yeah, so right. Well, yeah, Renfield brings it up just because it's a term that has been used in a lot of other vampire movies so it's a term that people are familiar with uh-huh <laughs> see, see, see that yeah. um I, I but I'm, I'm guessing that's why they put it in there i don't i can't think of any other reason why it's not mentioned by name in any other movies but no familiars are generally with witchcraft yeah but yeah after after that scene <laughs> there's a hard cut <laughs> yeah and then it's and then it's uh what literally the, the boat then arriving the, in london <laughs> which is not the same name it's not the Demeter. Oh, well, Which yeah, is really I just weird. Know. Yeah, they they barely show any of it. It's just the boat is arriving in the harbor. Like literally, that scene is the day that Renfield got there. Yeah, hard cut. <laughs> now he's going right. to London, which was like I don't know, right. two weeks later at least. Oh, if if not longer, maybe two or three weeks a month. Um, but essentially, Renfield's the only one left alive or found alive on that boat. Okay, okay, if you're the last survivor, you may have killed everyone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, but to be fair, he is like crazy. He's doing like this weird Joker laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're which, like, okay, this dude's lost it. Which uh, you know, Peter McNeil does a fantastic version of it and Dragon Dead Love It. I think huh. great for it. Uh but anyway, so yeah, they're like, okay, you need to go to the sanatorium, which happens to be next to Carfax Abbey. You know, the serendipity, you know, how how convenient of that where Dracula moved into is literally next door to where his servant is. Um, Then we kind of get, you know, in the... We get to meet kind of more of the rest of the cast, Dr. Seward, Lucy, Mina, Jonathan Harker, all kind of seeing a play. Um, they are introduced to Count Dracula. Um, you know, he's like, "Oh, I bought Carfax Abbey. We're kind of neighbors." And then he, uh, Dracula's kind of taken in, taken or smitten by both Lucy and Mina. Um, <clears throat> but Lucy kind of is immediately attracted to Dracula. You know, I think we this is kind of like the smaller version of how the idea of vampires are very seductive. I mean, Bella goes, he is hot in all of this, but <laughs> is he? Well, I get maybe he's 1931 hot, maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, this is kind of like a good thing of the seductive powers of vampires that we have 
unfortunately get sucked into other crap where they're seductive based off how sparkly they are and stuff. Well, again, I don't think you need to be that seductive if you can hypnotize people with your eyes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, again, yeah, I mean, whether he's, you know, being charming, which he is, even when he's not mm-hmm. hypnotizing people, or he can just hypnotize them if they're not going along with it anyway, so. Right. Um. Yeah, so kind of, anyway, it's kind of cut, and then, you know, later that night, Dracula does happen to come in here and feast on on Lucy. Um, doctors kind of, you know, her uh, her, her dad's Dr. Seward, right? Uh, in this version, uh, I believe the doctor is Mina's dad. Okay. Because, yeah, I believe the doctor is is Mina's dad. I mean, obviously, this is outside of the book story. This has changed for this, but yeah, yeah. the doctor is um, Mina's dad, and then Lucy is just like her friend that's staying with them. I could I could have sworn Lucy was the daughter. Maybe it was always Mina. I don't remember. It makes sense. It makes sense that Harker, who worked for the Doctor Seward, would be. Infatuate star, but yeah, it's just this version. I don't think it's very different in the next one. So yeah, yeah. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, they're like, okay, she needs blood transfusions, which I think is pretty interesting to have idea of blood transfusion. Now they don't know why they'd be doing blood transfusions at this point in time, even in 1930, let alone in the 1800s. Well, I mean, they could, yeah, they could test your blood pressure back then, so they could yeah. tell if you're low on blood, which is, I guess, what they're doing. I don't know if they had like the blood type thing. So we're like, if they, you no. know, they know what blood types it is, or they think it is need blood period. I mean, I don't know how that would work out. That is blood. <laughs> yeah. Again, That's I don't know what, I, what, what would happen if, uh, if somebody with a different blood type gets a transfusion. Like I'm assuming it's bad because they don't yeah. do that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but essentially, uh, even after all that, uh, Lucy dies, right? Well, event, eventually, well, uh, she dies, but not before Van Helsing comes in. Right, and Doctor Seward, you know, brings in his a uh, professor Van Helsing, who he trusts and who is like the expert in diseases. Right, he's he's the Doctor House of England, let's say. <laughs> um, that he's able to do all the stuff. You know, we find out that Renfield is you know e- eating his lives. It, you know, flies and spiders. And, you know, that's how he. He continues to be have powers like Dracula, as you said earlier. You know, he takes Dracula takes human lives, Renfield gets small lives, little lives. Um, and you know, I think Van Helsing sees Renfield's, realizes kind of what he's doing, kind of analyzes his blood and other blood, and realizes that you know he's going to the old lore book of Vampire, right? Um. And you know he's just kind of it makes sense if if vampirism has always kind of been idea of a blood disease, and you know it's kind of the vampirism kind of was based off of blood disease. They just didn't understand at that point in time. So I think it's pretty interesting that even then, you know, we're talking like the turn of the century or before the turn of the century medicine, and they understood a little bit. Um, obviously not everything, but yeah. potentially being a blood disease right well yeah i've read a lot about um 
the the history of it and why they mm-hmm. how they think it came about. And it was basically the way that they stored bodies or preserved mm-hmm. bodies back then to where like if you t- yeah. take the body and you put it in whatever like a shed i don't know wherever they keep bodies before the funeral and all that kind of stuff um if certain conditions are met if you go in the the shed like the next day or a couple days later you will see um it looks kind of like the body has a little bit more life in it and there's like blood dripping from the mouth and so right. at that point in time they would assume that oh they get up during the night as the undead and drink blood and that's what makes them well, look. and they also look like they have full bellies from the gases built up, right, like they right. just recently stuff like ate. that. Yeah, so that, yeah, so it became that, right uh, the legend. And and it's just the, based on know, how bodies right. decompose, and you know the fingers were shriveled up a bit, so it looked like the nails grew, hair still growing, blah blah blah. You right, anemone was a big part of it too. People were allergic to the sunlight, still are allergic to the sunlight. So there's a whole bunch of contributing factors that were all kind of compiled by i think bram into this all this lore that's existed for a couple hundred years he just combined it into one cohesive story and this is how we get dracula right which is which is funny because a lot of the things that he researched are just plain wrong yeah (laughs) and just just plain you know uh you know, it takes, you know, legends that aren't really true or very, very rare when you're talking about vampire stuff and makes them fact. Um, I mean, just the fact of Dracula, the name itself, he mm-hmm. used the name because he thought it was an interesting name and he thought it was cool. Romanian for devil, which it is not. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why he used it. There right. was no real meaning behind it. He, he thought it meant devil. So he's like, oh, that's a cool name. And then he was just wrong because he didn't speak Romanian. He was just going off of the book. Yeah. I said, it's just compile of lore bits and pieces into one cohesive. Right. Lack of better words. Um, anyway, so we get back to it. Renfield saying that he needs to be uh, taken away because he's afraid his cries will upset Mina. Right. And we see a little bit of him being a little bit human. Well, he doesn't say that he needs to be taken away. He, he says that Mina needs to be taken away. Oh, yeah. Basically uh, just trying to get her away from him so that Dracula can't find her. Right. But, uh, yeah, they, so they do all the stuff on Lucy to try to get him to not show back up with the wolf Spain and the right and all that kind of stuff, which, like yeah, you said, garlic, ultimately yeah. fails and, and she ends up dying. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and through that, um, you know, Renfield here is his master. He's that um, Renfield. Uh, I think what uh, Van Helsing shows Renfield like Wolfsbane, and Renfield's like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't like that." And you know, kind of like, "Oh, that's a sign of vampirism," a little bit. So he's kind of putting all the stuff together that it's maybe entirely possible that Dracula is a vampire. He doesn't have any proof yet. Um, so kind of what happens is, uh, he, he does, is Mina covered, surrounded by the, the Wolfsbane and Garlic at this point the first time? Um, not the first time. I think she is. No, well, the first time she just gets bitten, but then obviously they catch that they catch it right away because it's the same thing that happened to Lucy. So yeah. They jump on this stuff immediately. Whereas in Lucy was already heavy into it by the time they yeah. started. 
Um, right. So and they notice the scarf that she's wearing, like the scarf, and it's just, oh, she has two puncture wounds here on me. Right. So we need to affect her, all this jazz. Um, well, I think at that point, I think Lucy came back, right? Like she saw Lucy alive again. Yeah. And there was the rumors of the woman in white eating children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, when they confronted her, they knew that vampires were real. That was the proof that Van Helsing needed. Yeah, to prove well, he, it. He's also the. They're also that little scene with like the jewelry box, uh, where they show Mina and Doctor Seward talking to Dracula. Um, and he's like, "Oh," and they look in the jewelry box mirror, and he's not there. Try to show it to him, he slams the jewelry box down. Oh, I don't like mirrors. <laughs> well, it's also um, that extremely, was kind of like the last. Right. It's also extremely yeah. convenient that it's at night, right after Mina gets attacked, mm-hmm. and they're all sitting in one room, and then Dracula just shows up. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, I was in the neighborhood. Like, how is that not extremely suspicious? Well, it, it, and they make fun of Van Dracula. Like, who do you think could be the vampire? And then Dracula is announced. And like, you know, then loving it, they go, oh, him, of course. And But they didn't say that. But yeah, it was like the perfect comedic timing almost of who could be the vampire. And then, you know, the 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 maid goes, Dracula, Count Dracula is here. You're really, you're really selling this dead and loving it hard today. I know. It's his better version. Um, uh, but yeah, so yeah, they start putting all this stuff into Mina's room to help protect her. And, you know, kind of once again, the the maid or servant that is there to protect her is hypnotized and starts kind of removing all the stuff from the room. Once again, very silently. You know, she is purely hypnotized by the eyes and Clearly, she's being told to do things that we don't hear. Um, Dracula's pretty quiet from now on, I think, from this point in the movie. Um, yeah, so anyway, you know, stuff's removed. Uh, Renfield escapes from uh, the sanatorium. Some, I don't remember how. He bends the bars. He does bend the bars, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, let's see here. Uh, I think Renfield hears people talking about vampires and wants to go warn um, Dracula that's there. And he's promised, I think Dracula promised him rats, so bigger lives full of blood to give him even more power. Right, right. And, but, then, it's, yeah, yeah. and then it's with, with his help that he finally gets to kidnap Mina. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dracula and Seward have like a, a back and forth banter of trying to determine this stuff and, you know, where are you from that, you know, Van Helsing needs to go back to his home country, which I don't think they ever say, but Van Helsing's always considered Dutch, I believe. Well, um, who knows? I mean, that he has different yeah. accents depending on where to go. It's always some form of <laughs> European, whether it's Dutch or German or. Yeah. Know, Eastern Bloc, whatever it is, but yeah, he's he's obviously European, usually from the Eastern right. path. Yeah, and I, you know, they're like, okay, they need to start hunting down Dracula, especially to save Mina, because she's kind of almost fully turned into a bride of Dracula. Right. Well, and th- this is where um, we get to see the very... little bit, yeah, the little bit of inner turmoil from Renfield because he tells them about the Abbey. Yeah, and he tells them about the boxes of dirt that he brought with him. Mm-hmm. 
because yeah, you know, they were talking about, well, he needs to sleep in the dirt of his homeland. Where would that be? And then Renfield's like, oh, I know. Yeah. So, I mean, Renfield still has some humanity in him, which we will get later in with our last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we really get more into that. Uh, but yeah, essentially, uh, Van Helsing pulls out a crucifix, it scares directly, he kind of just runs away, but he has Mina with him, and he just kind of, like, leads them on a goose chase, and all of a sudden, like, they're kind of just a follow them through all the buildings, and they find all the all the caskets, all the all the coffins. Um, so, yeah, they find all the stuff, they try to get Mina out of there, she's kind of just, like, what, in the corner? She's not actually in the coffin. They open up the coffin and see, like, he Dracula runs through the door and they follow him within a minute and he's already in his coffin. It's still night out, which is weird. Right. He, he, yeah, still, he went full on asleep in his coffin. Well, maybe yeah, maybe it was like, I don't know, twilight out. I don't I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe his internal clock is still on Romanian time. Maybe. <laughs> he's um, like, he, he still yeah. thinks it's night anymore. Maybe. It's not. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, Mina's like, you know, I'm I'm gone. Our love is done to Harker. Harker's like, no, we can save you. Um, you know, so you find Dracula, they open up the other coffin, she's not in there, and then Van Helsing just destroys the lid of Dracula's coffin and barely a sharp two by four, I would say. Yeah, no, yeah. It looks like <laughs> barely a, a sharp. Yeah, a piece of like uh like the a piece of wood you'd get from like a, a target bookshelf. <laughs> Like extremely brittle, yeah. <laughs> like it would fall apart with a touch. Yeah, um, yeah. So then they kind of like I gotta drive it through his heart, and we don't see it. No, yeah, they hear they, it. Yeah, we they cut away. I'd love to see how that would go through somebody. <laughs> well, that, pretty sure that's why they don't show it. Yeah. Um. So so essentially, he's theoretically killed, and then Mina is no longer fully turned into vampire because there's always that lore of you know they drink your blood you drink theirs and then when you die you become full vampire yeah the lore changes a lot right yeah it it changes a lot even in these three movies it changes all over the place yes um i don't yeah i don't know what the real thing is i don't they don't really describe that in the original book like it's basically just like victims of dracula if he wants them to come back that's about it that's like the only thing they really say it's it's a choice to make a vampire versus right but yeah but yeah these other ones it's like random correct um yeah and then essentially mia's normal back to normal end of movie elfine yes yes um I'll, i'll go first into my first thoughts i mean this is a classic for you know, obviously, we were not allowed to go see this in theaters for. When, I mean, when do you think the first time you watched this was? Eighties, nineties, if not? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Uh, probably in the eighties. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever watched it all the way through in one sitting. It's one of those movies that's been on a million times. Yeah, um, but it does drag in parts. So, like you know, especially with commercial breaks, I was probably flipping around. So, right. So other and, things. And, I mean, and, I don't know and, if it was a movie I ever rented to watch through, but I mean, I've seen it all, just maybe not at the same time. I mean, and and because it's so old, and by the time we were getting into 
horror movies as youngsters, we didn't probably necessarily care for the idea of a black and white movie that wasn't the gore fest that we grew up with in the 80s. And unfortunately, I think that's a case for a lot of stuff. But, you know, as I got older, I learned to appreciate these roots of horror movies more so. As a kid, probably not so much. But, um, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to remember how often I've watched this movie in its entirety in one sitting. I don't think it's a lot. But, I mean, you really do see with uh, hundreds of vampire movies after this. This was 100% the groundwork for all of it. Well, yeah, it's yeah, this is the, the, the foundation stone for everything that yeah. came after. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's not the very first um, depiction of Dracula on screen because I think technically Bram Stoker himself wrote one back in the late 1800s. Yeah, and I think there was a couple minor ones before this one, but this is you know by far the most definitive first step for yeah. Dracula as a character. I mean, be- before this, we had Nosferatu, right? Which, which is a whole other thing. Well, yeah, but the Nosferatu is close enough to be like the dollar store version of Dracula, but yeah. they still got sued and, and they lost because it was yeah. basically all the characters were the same. Right. I mean, yeah, this is, this is a classic. And I, I think for 1931 was an hour and 11 minutes it was a pretty damn long movie. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they tried to keep movies to about an hour ish at that yeah. time. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was, I still enjoy it. I've have I have the collection on the DVD or Blu-ray box sets, the classic collection of all the Universal Monsters. I have all these on Laserdisc that exist on Laserdisc. I mean, so I I do thoroughly enjoy it, and you know, it was kind of the first universe made by Universal Pictures because, as we discussed, thirty-eight episodes ago, it was the first creation of a shared universe, uh, which no one's been able to replicate for Universal Monsters since then. Which is amazing. For 90 years later, we still well, can't do it. Not, right? for, not <laughs> for lack of trying. Oh, correct. <laughs> they really, really tried. Um, but I mean, what were your first thoughts and rewatches on this? You know, as you got older, have you grown to appreciate it more? Like me? Um, yeah, well, I appreciate it more just because I watched a lot more older movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like when I was first watching it, I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. It doesn't really sell it off. You know, movies back in this time period, they're more about um, speaking. They're more about like most conflicts are worked out by talking. You know, even like when there are, you know, guns or weapons and stuff involved, there's still a whole lot of talking. And that's where most of your conflict comes from. And there'll there'll be like a minor action scene, but they're, you know, obviously the effects are horrible because (laughs) And that's because, uh, you know, obviously back then that was the best as like they got. And that's why they stuck with a lot of talking conflict resolution, because it filmed much better, you know, like stunt stuff. I mean, there was like stunt movies. They took me wrong. I mean, there's like, you know, Buster Keaton and uh, yeah. Keystone Cops and all that stuff, which was all action based stuff. But, you know, when it came to like, you know, a, a movie, you know, resolution between actors. Yeah, they that's what they did. They, it was all talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, and, and having respect for, you know, those kind of movies and then watching this again. Yeah, you see where it comes from. You see where it, where it goes. Um, it's just odd seeing a horror movie that relies on supernatural elements with so little effects. 
you know, like all the effects are basically spoken about. You don't see them, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's again, it's interesting. But um, yeah, it's 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 fun to see. I mean, yeah, I'll just I'll kind of roll into my the highlights of it. It's yeah. it's interesting to see, um, you know, where all of these, you know, Dracula and vampire, you know, kind of acting tropes came from. Um, you know, like where mm-hmm. where Bell when Bella goes, he sees the crucifix and he like holds up his cape and turns his head away and hisses, like that's you still see that now. I mean, it's it's literally oh, yeah. th- that's like the default thing that vampires do when they see a crucifix, right? But like he was the first one to do that, like he set the standard for that. Yes. Um. But yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting just to see this stuff, you know, originate. You know, the the initial, you know thing of this where everybody copies off of it later on it's it's interesting to see um yeah i mean uh, low points i mean i would say the bats (laughs) (laughs) um there's a lot of bats and they're horrible i mean they are bad you can literally see the wire holding them up and it's just like you can literally see somebody just like yanking up and down on on the on the wire and it just the the bat is kind of sort of flopping around like it's not even it doesn't even look like it's flapping its wings it's just flopping around and and like that's it um so yeah that's not great and and also just the the weird kind of changes to the book um and i get there they did a lot of those for time reasons (laughs) yeah um like the whole last act of the story is is not there is like the original story, like the 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 confrontation at the Abbey is literally just like part one <laughs> of the finale, and they like they go back to like Dracula's castle. That whole part right. in this movie is not there. They just they end it all at the Abbey again for time. I'm assuming. Um. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it, again, it's interesting. There's not. You've read the original book, right? Yeah. 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 There's none of that. Um. Because the book reads like just a bunch of like diary entries, you know, from entries, all the yeah. different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like no allusion to that in this story <laughs> at all. No. Um, the characters are all kind of mixed around, you know, like Renfield takes Jonathan Harker's place. Jonathan Harker is just kind of like a placeholder character. He really doesn't do anything other than being, you know, Mina's, you know, love interest character. But he doesn't do anything but like complain to the dad. That's it. I mean, he <laughs> really doesn't do anything at all. Yeah. Um I mean like Van Helsing is very interesting because uh, almost all the portrayals after this Van Helsing is like a vampire hunter. You know like knows all about vampires, knows how to kill them, has fought them in the past, you know, kind of thing. Um in this one he's just like a dude who's an academic and doesn't limit himself to only science. He also, you know, expands it to also folklore and stuff like that. But he's still applying the scientific method to it. Right. He's just seeing what works and what doesn't. And he's like, well, let's see if this works. You know, like the whole Wolfsbane thing. He tests it out first to see how they react. And he's like, oh, okay. I got the reaction I was looking for. Let's use this. So that's interesting to see. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, so again, that's a good thing, but also a bad thing just because all the changes from from the book. But overall, not not bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, my highlights is it's very atmospheric. And we just like I said we discussed this thirty episodes is the atmosphere is done well because 
as you as you point out, talking is a big part of it. But the, their set designs were phenomenal. Like you felt like it was a big area. Yes, they're matte paintings, but I think I think it was done. And that's why they always thought like horror movies were fantastic for their early movies is because it, you know, we went from plays to, to movies and, you know, plays were known for the set designs. And I think that carried on perfectly into early movies. Even when we discussed like the Edgar Allan Poe stuff with all the Vincent Price stuff, you know, set design was huge then in the sixties as well. And I don't think we have such huge set designs anymore. Um, so I really appreciate all that work they did to make these look as good as possible for atmosphere. Um, low points is d- definitely the for the changes that were done to the movie uh, from the book. I you know granted what the book's like or 400 pages long which is pretty long for them uh yeah i mean it's it's not it's not that long um right it is so i mean they could have kept, I, I feel like they could have pages. kept it okay i feel like they could have kept it closer to the book well, yeah and again a lot of that's just time you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, so like instead of that that finale where they go back to Transylvania, they just well, let's, let's just cut all that out. <laughs> let's just put that finale at the Abbey. Like, okay, great, we cut off you know at least twenty minutes doing that, right? Yeah. Um, and there was the whole like you know let's kind of speed up the whole uh, you know him lurking in the night and then you know like biting Lucy one day at a time. Um, where like right. in the story that takes place like a, over a long period where they're all trying to figure out what is going on, mm-hmm. um, and then this one is just kind of like hurried up, and then Van Helsing comes in and just tells them, okay, this is what it is, and then and then she's just dead, you know, and then it moves on to Mina, and Mina is kind of like minor in this, like she just basically ends up being the damsel in distress at the end, but like she's really doesn't have a bigger part up until that point. She's just yeah. there as, as like the, you know, the, like I said, the, the classic damsel in distress, you know, thing to where they, everybody has to go and save her. Right. And yeah, the, the Mina and Jonathan Harker are big characters in the book. and They are our sidelines. Right. In this. Hands down. And also, that, well, Redfield, like there's so many things that are <laughs> different with just his character. <laughs> Again, like in the book, Jonathan Harker is the one that goes to the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the original book, uh, Harker is left at the castle when Dracula goes to London. Yeah. Um, and then Renfield is just some dude in an asylum that he convinces to let him in the asylum. That's it. That's like yep. Renfield's whole thing. Like, and he doesn't, you know, make an appearance at the end either. He's just there during that one part, and that's it. Yeah. But I guess he was such a memorable character. I mean, because so many people put them in their movies and give him a larger role. <laughs> Almost always. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, the, the guy who played Renfield was fantastic. As a character actor, I thought he did a really good job. Well, fantastic for 1931, yes. <laughs> yeah. But he's memorable. He is now what most people think of Renfield. Right. So just another, another, just another way that this we've had, you know, 90 years of Dracula that 
we still stick to this for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for this week, we're doing number of children of the night out of 10. What, what would you give this movie? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard because I mean, like if I was writing it for its time period, obviously there's one score, but if I'm writing it now, obviously it's a different score. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I'll just go by it now because I've been pretty much just going on that route with all the other movies yeah. that we're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm judging it by today's standards. Uh, so if I'm judging it by today's standards, I would give it a, uh, a six, six children of the night out of 10. So somewhat musical. <laughs> yeah no it's it's, again yeah it's 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 uh i mean it's 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 good but again like in today's like trying to get somebody in like today's audience that hasn't seen any dracula movie to watch this and sit all the way through it is probably going to be difficult because it does drag on a bit yeah (laughs) even though it's only an hour and you know 15 minutes long whatever it is it still feels like it drags on a bit sometimes um, but it's great if you if you like Dracula and you want to see where everything came from, you can see all of that in this movie. But again, mm-hmm. if you've seen all this stuff after this, going back to this is is confusing sometimes. Um, like I said, some people do that with music. You know, like they like you know certain genres of music now, and you go, oh well, this is around now because these genres paved the way. And you, and they listen to those genres. They're like, yeah, I don't like this. It's like, well, right. <laughs> without this, there would be no genre that you like. But again, they don't care about that. They just like the one that they like now. And I think movies right. are the same way. And I think this one would be a hard sell. You know, this oh, is absolutely. like, this is like somebody who likes, you know, modern pop punk and you're trying to sell them on the stooges. Right. And it, <laughs> it's, it's hard to do sometimes because they're, they're different, but without the stooges, there is no pop punk. But so like, again, without Dracula, there is no, you know, vampires of the future, but it's hard to sell people on that. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I, I, I'm gonna give it seven children of the night out of ten because it is it, it is the blueprint. It is the uh, really the original that paved the way, as you said. You know, and I have to respect it for what it is as well. Is it a fantastic movie to watch now? Is it boring to watch sometimes? Yeah, it is. But it's a classic. I think it's gonna stay a classic forever. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, if it's lasted this long, it'll yeah, it'll keep going. Oh yeah, it's been it's been brought over to like every format that exists, and I, it'll probably continue doing so. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, okay, so then we move on to Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, which is in 1992 and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who I'm sure everyone has heard of. Um, now this movie it it does stick closer to the book but i guess the thing that kind of upsets me is like okay yeah this one sticks closer to the book than the original does but mm-hmm. it adds a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be there uh I, I'll, we'll go over that in the recap here but um i just think a lot of it's unnecessary anyway so we start out uh not with the traditional dracula story we start out with uh the past so this is this is 400 years in the past you know back when dracula was still a human Mm -hmm. um and he is a prince of transylvania um you know fighting against the uh the turks that are taking over or starting to threaten europe right they're gonna 
this huge army is going to take over Europe. And this is the, the grand army of, of Christendom, as they say, that's going to defend Europe from, um, from the Turks. Um, so he kind of leads this army, which is kind of, they predict that he's going to fail, right? They kind of say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, this is probably, you're probably not going to come back from this battle. Like, but you have to make your stand here, right? We have to, to make the Turks think twice about coming to Europe. Uh, so he goes off to war uh, and survives and, and, he, and defeats the Turks and, and, you know, basically returns home as a hero. But um, the Turks, uh, while that was happening, had managed to sneak a spy behind the lines and shoot an arrow with a message into his castle. Mm-hmm. And this message is a false message that says that uh, Dracula has been killed and defeated in battle and that the Turks are on their way to the castle and that, you know, they're going to, you know, kill everyone in the castle. So his wife, who uh, is played by uh, Winona Ryder, um, I think her name is like Elisa Bita or something, sorry, or play, yeah. Yeah, played by Winona Ryder, um, kills herself. Because she, you know, obviously can't live without him. And if he de- he's dead, she wants to kill herself before the Turks get there. Um, so she kills herself. Dracula comes home, you know, expecting this warm welcome. And then he sees, you know, his wife's dead body. <laughs> um, so he gets super upset uh, and basically, like, tries to murder all the priests, you know, saying, like, hey, I went and fought this huge battle for God, right? I stopped the Turks from taking over you know, this Christian land. And this is how God thanks me is by letting my wife die. So he kind of curses the church and stabs the crucifix, which starts bleeding. Yeah. He renounces his Christian. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he stabs the crucifix, starts bleeding. All the statues start bleeding. Cause I, you know, I guess they're upset that he's not a Christian anymore. Um, and so he, you know, forsakes the church and he says that he's going to, you know, take this evil power and he's going to live forever. Um, they don't really explain how or why, but that's what he says. And then it cuts to the traditional beginning of, mm-hmm. of the Dracula story, um, where Jonathan Harker, uh, played by Keanu Reeves, is, uh, you know, basically get told by his boss, like, uh, you know, there's this other guy that was sent out to, to get these contracts signed. He came back crazy, who is Renfield. <laughs> uh, Renfield in this movie is played by Tom Waits. <laughs> um so Renfield came back. <laughs> yeah, Renfield came back crazy. So you have to go out there and and sign all and get all these contracts signed. And it like basically, if you do that, because he's like a junior partner, I guess. So if you do that, you'll be like a full partner, and, and you you don't have to worry about you know a job for the rest of your life. So he's like, okay, great, I'm gonna go. So he's engaged to to Mina, who is one own rider. Um, and so yeah, he says, yeah, I'm sorry, I gotta go, but you know. Uh, by doing this, I'll secure our future so that we can get married because they're not married at this point. Uh, so he goes off to Transylvania. We get the same kind of uh, beginning where he uh, goes to the castle and is, you know, gets the, the scary carriage ride to the, to the castle. Same as in the, you know, the Bell Lugosi one. Um, he gets to the castle. We get kind of the same sort of introduction uh, with Dracula. Only it's a little more creepy because his, you know, shadow is, has a mind itself. of its own yeah um <clears throat> you know and every, everything's kind of just just creepy you know he serves him his meal but of course he doesn't drink wine 
Um, so, you know, serves them his meal. Everything's great, grand and wonderful. Um, he tells them, okay, I insist that you have to stay here for a month because you're going to teach me all the customs of London because he's buying up, um, you know, the Abbey, the Carfax Abbey, just like he was in, in the original. Um, and, but he's buying all these other houses in the neighborhood too. It's never explained why. But he's doing that. And he's like, oh, are you doing this to drive up the property value? He doesn't really answer that question. He just kind of laughs. Um, but he says, but anyway, you're going to stay here for a month. You're going to teach me all the customs of England um, and help me speak English better. Um, and then you'll be my guest for a month and then we'll go. He's like, okay, great. So, uh, but he's like, okay, but you can't leave your room. You have to stay in your room. You can never leave it. Uh, you know, but that's the only rule. So, of course, he immediately leaves it, but not before he writes letters for Dracula, who insists that he writes them. He writes one to his job, one to his family, and one to his wife, basically saying, I'm staying here for a month to teach him stuff, and then I'll be back. Um, and then right after he writes those letters, uh, Dracula sends them out and then immediately you know, goes back on his word and just leaves him there <laughs> and then travels to London by himself. Uh, he is of course, leaves his room to, to look around the castle. Uh, and he ends up in the, I don't know, harem bedroom of Dracula's wives, I guess you could call it. Uh, and there's like this weird kind of long-ish, like bizarre sex scene with blood squirting and drinking and all kinds of stuff. Nudity abound. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Dracula comes in, stops the whole thing. Um, and they're like, oh, well, you can't let us be hungry. Like, we have our food. And so he gives them a baby to eat, <laughs> uh, which does actually happen in the book. It's a little bit different. They, they don't hand him a baby, but he hands him a child, like, in a in a sack, in a burlap sack <laughs> uh, in the original story. So it's, it's close enough. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, so Dracula kind of leaves him there at the castle, and then he goes to, to London on his own. Um, and then poor Jonathan Harker is just kind of like, there and like the the wives kind of feed off of him over this long period of time and like slowly drain his life worse to where he can't like fight back or or do anything on his own um but anyway we cut to london we don't see anything from him for a while um so he gets to london uh on on the ship the demeter um he brings i don't i don't even know there's a lot of boxes of, of dirt like a lot. They don't say, yeah, the, the whole, it's a whole lot. In the, in the original one, it was like three boxes. And this one, he has like, uh, yeah, 50 is a lot of boxes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they're bring, yeah, bring all the dirt to the Abbey. Um, and then he kind of, you know, starts walking around um, London. Now, he um, immediately, because Renfield, who was his, uh, you know, familiar, I guess they don't use that term in this, but we'll just continue using that term. Um, who was his familiar before knows him, knows that he's back in town. Um, and essentially kind of calls him to, uh, you know, the asylum. Um, and we're kind of sort of introduced to, um, Lucy, Mina's friend who is having a little party and she has three suitors. Uh, one suitor is this guy from Texas, <laughs> Who, who uh what's a quincy i think his name is something like that anyway yeah. he's like the most you know fancy texan i've ever seen <laughs> he's got like gold plated knives mm -hmm. and guns and stuff anyway um her other suitor is a doctor uh, who is dr seward in this version of the of the 
the film, who is it was a younger doctor, but he still runs the asylum. Yes. Um, and then the third one is I don't know Arthur or something. I forgot his other his last name, but it played by Carrie Elwes. Yep. It was a pretty minor role for Carrie Elwes to be playing. Um. So yeah. So she's got her three um suitors or whatever. Um, and that's how they're kind of sort of introduced to uh to Lucy, and one of them is because of Renfield and the Doctor. Um, so of course, um, well, Gary Oldman plays Dracula. I don't know if I said that earlier, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Dracula kind of gets attracted to Lucy, um, because she's like you know whatever the most beautiful available thing around. She's also very sex positive. For this yes. She is. <laughs> well, yeah, for Victorian sex positive, which I guess is, well, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows what that means? They were looking at Victorian right. porn, I guess. Yep. <laughs> like goofy drawings in a book, but hey. Um. So, yeah, so the, the same kind of thing happens where uh, Lucy is starting to be uh, attacked or I guess seduced, hypnotized, whatever you want to call it, by Dracula. Um, he shows up a, a couple of times. The doctor, of course, because he's one of her suitors, um, is trying to figure out what's going wrong. Um, I guess before this, she does pick Arthur, Carrie Elwes, to be the husband, but mm-hmm. she still stays friends with the doctor and Quincy the Texan, who are yes. kind of involved in this whole process. Um, so the doctor comes and checks her out. He can't figure out what's going on. He knows it's some kind of, you know, blood wasting disease, but he doesn't know what it is. Um, so that's when he calls in Van Helsing because he's his mentor, um, you know, and, and he knows a lot about this stuff. So he comes in. Um, he is a it's a bizarre version of Van Helsing in this movie. He's very like flamboyant, kind of. <laughs> like there's the scenes where he's like dancing with mina and he's like just the way he talks and the way he's just like very kind of flippant about things yeah bizarre character i don't know if anthony hopkins well anthony hopkins plays him i don't know if anthony hopkins did that on purpose just to kind of make him you know goofy and interesting I don't he's know, eccentric he, yeah well yeah he's, he's like a counterpoint to van helsing in the original 1931 because that he is a very straight laced yeah. dude in the first one like he doesn't even react like oh, dracula yeah. is like threatening him and he does he just stands there and stares at him like he's like stone like dude like yeah. literally has no reactions like at all he's like a very super science kind of guy and in this one like yeah it's, it's kind of like flamboyant and and rambunctious right mm-hmm. <laughs> goofy even uh, anyway, so yeah, he comes in, uh, you know, he's like researching with the vampire book and he's like, oh yeah, it's, it looks like they're vampires. So he's like, you know, putting garlic and, and wolf's bane and all that kind of stuff around the room, um, telling everybody don't let anybody in here, you know, because it may be Dracula. Uh, and they keep spotting like a wolf running around the grounds. Um, and they, they, you know, he's like, oh, well, Dracula has the power to, or yeah, Dracula, well, vampires, whatever, have power to change into wolves, so it's probably him. Don't let him in. Um, and eventually, uh, of course, he does get in. <laughs> um, well, actually, he lets, he makes her come out, I think. He, like, hypnotizes her, and she comes out on her own. There's, like, this bizarre kind of, like, <sighs> I guess it's a sex scene, right? Like a love scene, I guess. Except, he, except he's like a werewolf. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's like a, <laughs> in werewolf form while this is happening. Yeah. Um, but she's like, she appears to be into it. I mean, she's probably being like, you know, manipulated and, and hypnotized, but at least appears to be. Mina like witnesses this thing happening 
and doesn't really say or react, just kind of stares. Um, and then Dracula, I guess, uses some kind of you know, hypnotizing thing to say, like, don't see me, which means, like, she can no longer see him. Right. Um, and so she, you know, brings Lucy back in to try to, like, save her. They try to save her life. Lucy ends up dying. Yep. Um, she dies. Um, then there's the same kind of thing that happens to where, um, you know, the woman in white is kind of sighted um, attacking children. So they go to her grave and they find, you know, they open up her uh what is it sarcophagus i don't know what they call it like mausoleum thing yeah uh, and they see that her coffin which was conveniently glass and see-through is empty and as so they all hide and wait and she comes back with a child you know and basically confirming that she has risen as a vampire so they they kill her the traditional way of like you know putting a stake through her heart and then chopping her head off <laughs> um but at this yep. point they know that okay a vampire is now attacking you know or attacked her and is probably you know attacking other people so we have to be wary um and it's around this time that um this goes off story from the book pretty significantly in that dracula of course seeing that winona Ryder looks exactly like his wife from 400 years ago (laughs) um decides to try to win her the old-fashioned way of just trying to be like a charming gentleman to where they have like a, you know, dates and, and stuff like that. Because of course, Jonathan has been out of the picture here for a while. Um, He's been gone for a few weeks. So, you know, he's like trying to, you know, edge himself in there as a new suitor for Mina. Uh, and she seems to be pretty receptive to it. Um, Like she is, you know, again, like says that she loves him, loves her prince and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, it's like a love story thing that goes on again for, I think, way too long. <laughs> but uh, eventually that ends when Jonathan Harker manages to finally escape from the Brides of Dracula and make his way to a, I don't know, a, what is what is it, a convent with a bunch of nuns. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the nuns uh, nurse him back to health. Um, and then when he's healthy enough, he tells them, you got to write Mina, right? You have to tell her what's going on. Um, so he doesn't tell her all of what's going on. He just tells her that she needs to come to this convent so they can be married immediately. And, uh, and she does that and she leaves Dracula behind, like literally stands him up on a date that they had, uh, to go, uh, and get married. Uh, I guess another thing I should stress, which again, only means something during this point of the film and literally is never mentioned again, is that, uh, they say that, oh, yeah, he can come out during the day, but he's just not as powerful during the day. Correct. Um, so, yeah, all of their dates and things happen during the day. Um, you know, he meets her on the street in broad daylight. And again, daylight does not harm him at all. Apparently, it just lessens his strength. Um, sure. But again, after this, <laughs> after that dating stretch, again, it is never mentioned uh, again. So yeah, so they uh they go she goes to this convent. Uh they get married in the appears to be, you know, orthodox Russian church way. Yeah. Um and then they come back, which I don't I don't understand why he couldn't just come back and get married there. I don't know why she needed to get married to him immediately upon getting there. <laughs> um anyway, probably just to get her to come faster. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, he goes back um, and they all kind of put their heads together 
um, and then kind of realize that. Um, so what who we got at this point? We got Quincy. We got Arthur. Quincy is the Texan guy. We got Arthur Carrie Elwes. We got the Doctor. Um, yep. So the Van Helsing, and now Jonathan Harker, who is now back with gray hair, uh, which progressively gets grayer as the movie goes on. Yes. Like at this point, he just has like a touch, like a frosting of gray. And then by the end of the movie, it's completely white. <laughs> um, so anyway, so they, they all kind of put their heads together and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, at this point, he's still visiting Mina at night, even though she's now married. But she's basically telling him that, uh, well, I may be married now, but I still, you know, love you. Still and my will, prince. Yeah. yeah, you're still my prince. I want to, um, you know, be your undead bride. You know, so, you know, as they're like having their weird love scene, she like chooses to like drink his blood, which I guess is going to make her a vampire. They yeah. don't really explain that, but I guess that's what's happening. Um, and so that's what she wants to do. And he's all happy because she wants to do that. Um, and they end up like kind of having a confrontation and they chase him off. Um, but they basically realize that the only way to get Mina back is Mina's like, you know, basically just in love with them at this point and, and trying to stop them from hurting him and, you know, saying that she loves him. She wants to be with them and all that. And of course, they can't have that. So they, uh, you know, this is where the traditional part of they go to the Abbey um, to try to find all the earth because Renfield tells them about all the dirt um, and how it got delivered and, uh, you know, basically where he's hiding out in all that kind of stuff. So they go there, they destroy all the dirt and they're like sterilizing it with what, like holy water and stuff. And communion wafers. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Um yeah, so they, they do all that kind of stuff. Uh, Dracula was in, like, bat form, like, hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> um, so when they do all that kind of stuff, he just, like, gets upset and leaves. He doesn't really do anything to them. He just lets them do all that, but he leaves. Um, but in leaving, he had, I guess, one box of dirt left. So he jumps in his box of dirt and then basically ships himself back to Transylvania. <laughs> Because now he doesn't have his dirt to sleep in. So in order to stay powerful, he has to go back to Transylvania. So they try to like, you know, head him off at the pass kind of thing. Um, and they're, they're you know, trying to find him. But like, oh, he's going by boat. So he's going to take this long. We're going to go by train. So we'll be there faster. Um, and of course, you know, Dracula's Trixie. So he goes around and I don't know, he does something with his gypsy friends um, to like get there faster, whatever it is. So uh, they kind of split up. So like Van Helsing and Mina go straight to the castle to kind of try to lure him there because she has like a kind of like a psychic bond with him now. Right. So trying to lure him there, um, they have a confrontation with Dracula's brides who Van Helsing basically single-handedly kills all of them. Um, and then heads off into the river. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But I, again, like Van Helsing and this, you could tell Francis Ford Coppola was a huge fan of Van Helsing because. Oh, absolutely. Like he is like just ridiculously powerful in this movie. And he's like I said, he's so wacky and goofy. Like I, I pretty much, I'm pretty sure he could do whatever he wanted. Anyway, um, he's kind of like the Mary Sue of this movie. Yeah. 
um so anyway so everybody else was like trying to chase them around and they're basically chasing the um the carriage back to the castle uh trying to race against the, the sunset right so it's uh was it quincy and jonathan and uh was it the doctor i don't remember there's i think there's a few of them anyway they're chasing this uh carriage who are uh you know and, and dracula's still hiding in his box of dirt in the back of the carriage but because the sun's out for whatever reason now he can't go out in the sun um so he's in his bat form in this box um and then as soon as the sun goes down he jumps out of his box um, and they kind of have a fight uh quincy goes down <laughs> poor quincy oh yeah um and then they kind of have a like a showdown kind of thing, but when all Ryder or sorry, Mina shoots weird blue flames in the sky that like causes it to like snow and, and like the weather, I guess helps Dracula get to the castle faster. Yeah. Uh, somehow. Anyway, that's not really explained as to what's going on. There was a, a scene earlier in the movie when Jonathan first got to, the castle where he saw like some blue flames out in front of it, but they weren't doing anything. They were just there. So this is the, the second appearance of the blue flame circles that she shoots into the sky and that makes it snow. Um, anyway, so they get back to the castle, uh, a big confrontation. And of course they win. Uh, but it's kind of like a bittersweet win because like Mina is obviously very upset that Dracula is now gone. You know, she feels like it was his, her true love kind of thing. And even though he's dead now, it doesn't seem like that that curse was broken, kind of insinuating that she wasn't really hypnotized. She was actually just in love with him. Which is funny because she's the one that drives the sword further into him and cuts off his head. Right. And she does that, I think, because he wanted her to. Like, he wanted it to just be over. Like yeah. he he knew that at this point in time he was never going to be able to live with her in peace, and I think he just wanted it to finally be over. It's yeah, again, it is a weird ending. I don't understand fully what they were trying to convey there. I think there's some missing pieces or something. Um, but yeah, so essentially, you know, whatever, it just it essentially just ends there. Yep. Credits roll. Credits roll. So what was your first uh, thoughts when watching this movie? Uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I watched this. I mean, <clears throat> it had to have been in the 90s. I know I didn't watch it when it came out. You know, I wasn't big in the, in the horror movies. Um, you know, when this came out, I was only like eight. Uh, but I say, I, I think when I got into high school and started reading all the classic, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, perhaps it was Dracula that I went back and started trying to find these movies as well. Um, and yeah, it is for the most part, other than what we'll discuss probably as low points is very faithful to the book in a lot of ways. Um, more so than the 1931 Dracula. Right. Uh, what, yeah, it, it's but there is more stuff in here that's added, I think, unnecessarily. Definitely. Um to this, but I mean it's we'll we'll get into low points of why 
kind of failed a little bit and why it's made fun of so much. Uh, but I mean, it's not something I go out of my way to watch and rewatch. I mean, I probably have only seen this one. I'd say maybe full through six times. If uh, that, I honestly think I've only seen it all the way through the one time. And that was in 1992, the year it came out. <laughs> um, I rented it because obviously it was Dracula, right? right? So I rented it and watched it. Uh, wasn't really impressed with it. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was really what I was looking for at that time. And it's really not what I'm looking for now, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, like I, again, uh, like you said, I mean, highlights of this are, um, one, it does stick closer to the book. Um, yeah. You know, unlike the original, Renfield is... Again, he he was the lawyer that went out there first, but he is just kind of just the guy in the asylum. So at least it's closer to um, the book. Um, it's interesting how they do a, a lot of like the they show the diary entries, right? They show yep. the people writing in the diary because, again, that's how the original book was written. It was just a bunch of diary entries. So they show and like they, and they narrate. Right, and they narrate based on their diary entry. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's like you know, we get Jonathan, we get Mina, we get Van Helsing, we get the mm-hmm. Doctor. They're all doing their, you know, all kind of, you know, moving the story along with their with their diary entries, just like they did in the book. So again, a lot of these things they stay very close to the book. I thought they did a great job with a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, there's there's some fun things in there. I think the initial like opening, you know, giving Dracula kind of that backstory. <laughs> Um, was interesting. Uh, a lot of people assume that Bram Stoker was trying to make Vlad Tepe's Dracula. Um, and that's not the case. He may have taken some, some inspiration from him. Yeah. Um, but as far as him being Vlad Tepe's, I know a lot of people, you know, especially now, or a lot of people in the Dracula world assume that's who he is, or, or a lot of times straight out Whoa. say that that's who he is. I would say that you get that in this movie too, because when he's on the battlefield, they show him impaling his enemy. Oh yeah, no, yeah, this one they are for sure saying that he is Vlad. No, they don't. They don't actually. I don't think they outright say it. No, I mean he's impaling his enemies. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean he is impaling his enemies. He is fighting the Turkish horde. Again, these are all the things that the real Vlad Tepe's did. Right. Um, Vlad Tepe's. He was. Yeah, he was not a nice guy. He impaled a lot of people and was very. There's a lot of stories going around, like, it sounds like really very bad stuff. But if you look at what was happening in his country at that time, some of it is explainable. I'm not going to say all of it is. I'm not going to say dipping your bread in blood and watching people die is good at any time or in any situation. It's not. Um, But, yeah, he was, again, he was fighting for his homeland, and a lot of people around him were dying. And he was killing the people that were killing his people. So. To him, he thought he was doing good things, but again, just because you're doing bad things for good reasons doesn't make it right. Right. Um, but yeah, like again, it's heavily implied that he is Vlad Tepe's in this. In the original book, it's not insinuated at all. Again, he may have taken some inspiration from that, right? Like, I obviously took inspiration from a lot of Romanian folklore and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of this stuff came from. But again, him being Vlad Tepe's is kind of a later on thing. Um, but, but in this one, it is. But uh, again, I understand he's trying to make Dracula not just the villain, because in the, in the 1931, he was just a villain. He didn't really have any redeemable features. 
They didn't give him a backstory or a reason why he was doing this. He was just doing it because he was a vampire, right? That's it. Yeah. I um, mean, this one, they give him a backstory of like what he was doing, why he hated the church, why he recoiled from crucifixes, right? Because he hated the church that much. Uh, you know, they, they tried to give it a backstory as to why some of these things um, were true. And they tried to give him kind of almost a sympathetic character arc. Yes. Right. To where you're supposed to feel bad for him and the things that happened to him and understand why he made the choice to become a monster. And even though he's doing all this horrible, horrible things, you still have that sympathetic feeling for him. And you still kind of sort of want him to get with Mina because she's essentially what I mean, the reincarnation of his wife. She'd have to be right. Because she looks well, identical. They, they humanized. They humanized him. Right. A lot. Yeah, exactly. They gave him that character arc where he's not just a villain. He is just, you know, following along. But again, there's a lot of things they don't quite totally explain. Like, okay, if he was just not the villain, why would he have those wives? Why would he be feeding them right. babies? How many people has he killed over the course of his life? I don't think any of these things, you know, that they're trying to make him sympathetic of would work on somebody who's killed. I mean, who knows how many thousands of people, right? Right. Anyway, but yeah, I, I understand what they were trying to do. Um, so yeah, highlights is, I guess, some of that stuff. Like, I guess, giving him the actual backstory of, like, the Vlad Tepe's thing, that was interesting. Um, I guess the low point would be the whole love story thing. That is, like, the yes. whole, like, they're dating. Now he can go out in the daylight only because it's, you know, easier to film romantic date scenes during the day. That's literally the only reason why they even said that. I don't even know why they had to bother with that. Um, which, again, is, is abandoned at the end to where, like, he's running away from the sunset and he can't come out of his box until the sun sets. Like, why? If he could come out in the daytime, why wouldn't he just be sitting in the carriage? Right. Uh, I don't know. Again, it it goes back and forth. Um, but yeah, the love scene is just just drawn out and just out of place, I would say. It's just, again, it's not in the original book at all. Um, I don't understand why they do that. I, again, you know, I, I understand they're trying to make him a sympathetic character. But even if he's a sympathetic character, he doesn't necessarily have to have a love story arc. Right? The love story right. arc is in addition to that. Like I said, I like the whole backstory in him and make at least giving him a, a personality, right? A reason why. And then this, and then the love story thing is just completely unnecessary. And uh, this movie does drag on a bit, um, yeah. and it really drags on during those love story parts. They really feel like they're out of place. They're just not very well done. And I just, I don't get it. I mean, I, obviously, this is Francis Ford Coppola. That's why he got, you know, got to do whatever he wanted to do. I just don't understand why. If you're trying to make it closer to the book, why would you add this extra goofy stuff in there? I don't, right. I don't know. This I don't is know. over a two-hour movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, over two hours of which it feels like an hour is love scenes. Obviously, I know that's not true, but it, <laughs> it, that's how it feels. They feel so long and so drawn out and so pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Um. My my highlights and low points are going to be the same thing. The creature effects. All right. Now, because he he had a human bat form, he had a werewolf form. Then he had a bat. He had a wolf. Then he had young himself, and then he had old himself. And they switched it so many times. Don't 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 forget the time where he turned into a swarm of rats. 
Yes. <laughs> he did that too. So like they they said we're doing every piece of lore for Dracula. It's here it is. Everything yeah. he can turn into, we're having it here. Oh, and Mist. He yeah. turned into two different so, versions of Mist. One, it was the regular yes. gray version, and then it also a green version of Mist. Yes. Now, which is also in the lore. Yeah. Right? So, don't get me wrong. The creature effects were fantastic. Yeah, especially for the time period. I mean, yeah, like the werewolf effects, the bat effects. I mean, they were yeah, yeah. much better, yes. Uh, but he switched through them so randomly, it feels like. Right. And... And you could argue that, you know, he didn't really eat a lot of people. And so when he went to London and started doing that, he revitalized and became younger. And then maybe, you know, we were seeing the opposite with, with Jonathan Harker as, as his essence was drained out. He was getting older. They never come outright and say it. it. It's a wild guess that you have to make. Well, yeah. But he also but... reverts back to the old version of himself later on in the movie, too, without... I'd say battle damage for him to get back to that point. Right. Like I said, yeah, his hair this keeps turning more and more gray. Right. Um, I mean, maybe he dyed it back at the end. I don't know. Who knows? I'm saying, yeah, even with, with Dracula, though, like it, it just seems like so disjointed of when he's going to be what form. Right. And they're like, okay, we have a special effects guy that we're put, you know, Gary Oldman into all this crap, but we're not to have any reasons why he's old, then young, then the wolf, the bats, and rats, and back to old, and back to the werewolf, and all that stuff. So it's almost, it, it feels like a very disjointed transformation. But it, it looks great. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Sorry. I mean, that. and they add, and I think, you know, adding the lore of the shadow kind of being its own thing. Um, they added, he added a little bit of lore. Francis Ford Coppola did to this or dive more into the lore of vampires. So, I mean, he added stuff to it, but he also took away the love story. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and we also have to shout out um, Keanu Reeves's atrocious accent in this movie. And the um, writers. Winona Riders is also very bad, but not quite as bad <laughs> as Keanu Reeves. Um, I mean, maybe that's why those love scenes are just not good. It's because Winona Ryder was acting in a way that she wasn't comfortable acting in. I mean, that's right. possible. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it was necessarily bad acting. I mean, again, it's not great. It's It feels very unnatural. But again, it's Victorian era. Like, everybody was uncomfortable all the time. It's kind of right. hard to say, were they supposed to be uncomfortable or were they not? I mean. You know, wearing what she was wearing, I would assume she's uncomfortable, but I don't know. Uh, whereas Keanu Reeves is just kind of yeah. bad all around. Um, I understood Keanu Reeves didn't really want to do the movie. Um, he yeah. knows it's his worst movie. Like, he is very <laughs> aware of that fact. But, I mean, when he was at that point in his career, Francis Ford Coppola asks you to be in a movie. You have to say yes, right? I mean, you cannot say no. Well, Even he was if, just starting his career, too. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you really? can't you can't say no. <laughs> like, Francis Ford Coppola was like, hey, you want to be in my movie? What are you going to say? Oh, nope. Don't need that. Of course right. he's going to say yes. And he's going to say, can you do an English accent? What's he going to say? No. <laughs> of course he was. Sure. You know, 
He's going to do whatever he wants. Right. He's going to say whatever <laughs> he wants him to say. But Keanu Reeves is very aware that this yeah. is his worst movie, and he does not like himself in this movie. Um, and again, I don't think he necessarily does a bad job. I think, again, he's just put in a situation to act using an accent he's not comfortable with. And I think that that uncomfortableness kind of comes off and, and just about every scene that he's in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, like I said, my highlights, low points are the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Well, how many uh, children of the night out of 10 would you give this? Uh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Again, there's things that I like and things that I don't like, but I would say overall, I'd probably like it a, a wee bit less than than the original Dracula because the original Dracula, yeah, it was goofy, but at least it didn't overstay its welcome. This one definitely did. Um, oh yeah. So I'm gonna give it a five point five five point five Children of the Night out of ten. Yeah, I mean it. It's the OG is is what it is this. Yeah, I'm like. I was prepping to watch this. I'm like, wait a minute, how long is this movie again? I'm like, son of a. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is it so long? Again, well, I haven't watched it and added a long time. No, like I said, effects are good, but it this this to me, and we'll probably get to it as well, is just very an awkward phase of this revival after Hammer Horror that we also get with Robert De Niro as as Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, in the same time frame, um, and this also spawned the awful awful super nintendo game oh um. <laughs> uh yeah that was all yeah, the genesis game because i remember yeah. it was one of the only like genesis games that my local video store mm-hmm. had like they they went out and bought a whole bunch of genesis games at like one particular point in history and then never added anymore <laughs> um so they, yeah. they always had the same games for like the whole whatever you know five six years that i went there it was always the same games they never got any new ones yep but they did have Dune 2, the battle for Arrakis, which I rented several times. But yeah, this is not close to the original. I'm going down to a six. Yeah. Six children of the night out of ten. I don't feel like this is something I need to rewatch. <laughs> no, not at all. Really uh, again, again. Yeah, again, I haven't seen it since ninety two and I'm probably comfortable waiting that long of a time period. Another thirty another thirty years. All right, yeah. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I will be very old by then. All right. Why don't you lead us through then? Last. Okay. So now we're up to Renfield. Came out. Uh, spoilers ahead. Yeah. So. Well, spoilers ahead. Came out this yeah. year, literally <laughs> at time of recording two days ago. Um, yep. So Renfield uh, starts out uh, exactly literally recapping um, Dracula 1931. Um, I think, well, I guess, I guess technically it opens up with like, uh, uh, what is it? Like assholes anonymous. What is, what is the name? Of, it's like people, Co- people, Co- codependence anonymous. Yeah. Or yeah. Or like toxic relationship anonymous, whatever it is. Uh, he's in there talking about, um, you know how he has, or he, he doesn't share, but it's basically, you know, we get a kind of a monologue over, you know, basically explaining how he got here, you know, what he's doing. Um, and kind of doing like a, a recap of Dracula, <laughs> the 1931 Dracula, only this time um, starring Nicholas Holt as uh, Renfield and uh, Nicholas Cage as um, Dracula. A damn near shot for shot. Right. And it is uh, cool. Spoilers. This is going to be probably my highlight of the movie is these scenes because they are exact. They are literally exact, yes. like the same movements, the same speed. 
spoken word, the same props, everything yep. is identical. Um, even the staircase that they're walking yeah. in in the beginning, that the like you talked about that big staircase that you liked with the spider web, it's the exact same, the exact yeah. same thing. Um, so yeah, so they're basically introducing them, um, you know, even showing him being crazy in the boat. So I mean, it's like all of that, everything happened that <laughs> in the nineteen thirty one Dracula happened. Um, only apparently Dracula survived. <laughs> Um, and well, then I mean, he, he died off screen, so we don't know if he really died. Right. Correct. Well, yeah. And this being the sequel, I guess a separate timeline of Dracula, he did survive. Um, so he's been basically following the same pattern for the last, what, hundred years or hundred plus years is that, you know, they go to yeah. a new town. He does you know, Dracula kills a bunch of people, gets kind of chased out of town or attacked and injured. Um, they have to move to a new town. He has to find people um, for Dracula to eat um, to get better. And then once he gets back to full power, he just goes out and hunts on his own until he does something bad and hurts himself or they have to leave town, whatever. And it, it just has been repeating for this whole time period that Renfield's been his and, familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And modern day New Orleans. Right. Yeah. Is right. Where the story takes place. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we're starting out in modern day New Orleans. Um, so basically what he's doing is he's going out hunting for Dracula, but what he's trying to do this time around as he's trying to, um, you know, cause he's in this, this toxic relationships anonymous. So he's trying to find the people that are the mean half of this relationship. And he's trying to like find those people to feed them to Dracula. To try to like do yes, a good he's thing. Yes, rid of the assholes of the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. To try to do a good thing with a bad thing. But he freely said himself that this is not what he traditionally does. He just gets him whatever he wants. Yeah. Um. So this time he's trying to do the right thing. Anyway. So there's this guy, uh, Mitch. I think his name is. Um. Mm -hmm. Who sounds like a big jerk. This lady's telling the story, and he sounds like a big jerk. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna go find him. So he goes to this, you know, I don't know, third hangout. I don't know where it's at. It's like a garage, like a car garage. Um, so it's he in goes the warehouse district. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, so he goes in there, um, and they freak out because apparently they stole a bunch of drugs from the local drug lord family, right? Yeah. Um, so Renfield walks in. They assume he's the hitman sent by the drug family. Um, he is not, uh, but they assume that he is. Um, and so then. They basically fight and he knocks them all out with chloroform after like a big, well, sorry, he eats a bug and he gets superpowers from eating the bug. And then he fights them all and chloroforms them and knocks them all out because there's three dudes there. Yep. Um, and then after the three dudes, he's like, okay, so who did you think I was? And then, of course, uh, what Apache Joe shows up, which is this this big dude with a mask who is apparently the real uh, hitman. He, he's essentially wearing like gimp outfit i feel right yeah i don't know i don't know what's going on with, with this guy but uh yeah he's only he's only around yeah. for a very limited amount of time so he ends up fighting apache joe and literally punching his hat off like right off yeah. um and then uh the, the one i guess member of the crime family who drove this guy to the location um sees him get murdered yeah um the like that head literally gets like punched at his car um, so he freaks and runs. Um, and then Redfield kind of, you know, gathers up the bodies and then takes them to, uh, 
Dracula. But we also get to see uh, the son, the drug lord's son, who is the guy driving the car. Um, he gets to a DUI checkpoint and he like starts honking the horn and demanding to be let through with a car full of drugs. Yes. And then we get our other character here. Um, her name was Quince, Rebecca Quincy, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, I knew the last name was Quincy or first name was Rebecca. Anyway, um, played by uh, Aquafina. Aquafina. Yes. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so she's like the only cop in town apparently trying to bust these drug lord people because, you know, either there seems to be two other kinds of cops. One are like paid off by them and the other ones are like don't want to get involved because bad things happen when you get involved. Right. Right. So either one of the two. They're well-known crime family. Right. Yeah. So one of the either one of the two reasons the cops leave them alone, uh, you know, either out of fear or because they're being paid to. So she is neither of those things. She's like, you know, the incorruptible cop. Right. Um, so she tries to stop him. Um, she does end up arresting him, but of course he gets off because, you know, the crime family has a really good lawyer and he walks away. Even though he admitted to all the murders, all the drugs. Yeah. Yeah. He admits before the, the lawyer showed up. Right. Yeah. He admits, admits to all that stuff. Um, so she ends up going to, I'm sure what, what is, all right. So I know, Renfield then gives the bodies to Dracula and then Dracula is upset that these are not the quality of, of people that he expects or that he deserves. So he's, he's obviously very, very damaged at this point because there was a scene earlier where like hunters attacked him and he got stuck in the sun and got burnt to a crisp, but technically survived. So at this point he's like, you know, a husk, (laughs) like trying to regenerate himself, but um, you know, he obviously he can't go hunting on his own because he's like all messed up. So he's upset that these are low quality people that he's bringing him. So he demands that Renfield go out and get him, uh, you know, like what, a bunch of nuns or a, or a busload of cheerleaders or, you know, whatever. Yep. So he gets ordered to go do that. So he goes to this like bar that's like his hangout. Um, and of course, there's like nuns at one table. There's a bus driving by with, <laughs> with cheerleaders in there. And he's like, oh, man, this is bad. Um, so while he's there now, does she just like walk in the restaurant? I'm trying to remember why she went there. Oh, okay. No, no. So she found the pen Yeah, because he killed Apache Joe. Well, he, he stabbed him with a pen first before he punched his head off. So she and found the pen the, that he took from the waitress right, at the bar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she found that pen outside of it. So she decides to go to that place to try to get answers. That's why she shows up there. Mm-hmm. Um, she shows up there. Uh, basically, um, uh, drug dude's mom, the mom runs the entire drug cartel family. Um, he gets home and she basically calls him out for being weak uh, and, and letting this cop walk all over him that he needs to put fear back into her. So he, um, you know, puts on his, you know, I guess fighting outfit <laughs> with the, the goofy mask yeah. and the guns and all that. Um, and he, and he gets his whole crew together and he goes to this restaurant because he knows that she's going to be at this restaurant. Um, so they all go to the restaurant and they're going to, or I don't know. He's not going to kill her. I think he really just wants to threaten her, but yeah, um, she's basically going to force it. Like she won't give in to him. So she's like, well, you're just going to have to kill me then. And you can tell that he's kind of hesitant. Yeah. He doesn't want to do that, but he was going to do it anyway. And 
because Renfield is there and now he's got this newfound like, hey, I want to help people instead of just being a servant. So he eats a bug and proceeds to like kill all of the people. Like very gorily. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's like he literally like cuts off people's arms with like a serving tray and like there's a lot of people like, you know, cut in half and <laughs> torn apart and, and body parts ripped off and flying in blood everywhere. Uh, it's definitely not very afraid comedical. Of very yes. comedical yes. cgi blood right yeah with like goofy quirky one-liners and the fights and everything yes it's a very yeah. like action comedy at this point in time yep um so they basically survive um kind of you know Agafina or sorry the, the officer quincy thanks him for being a hero and he's like wow you know like nobody's ever called me a hero before and he really you know he's like, he likes that so he immediately starts liking her because, of course, you know, she called him a hero and gave him a little bit of self-esteem that he hasn't had in a very long time. So he's like immediately kind of attracted to her. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so she leaves and he decides that, um, you know, he's going to, you know, when he goes in for his statement, he's going to do a makeover for himself and try to, like, you know, be his own person instead of just being Dracula's like slave. <laughs> He gets very colorful outfits. Yes, very, very colorful outfits. Because apparently, <laughs> Dracula probably made him wear all black. I'm guessing. I don't right. know. Yeah. So he gets very, very colorful outfits. He gets his own apartment and he paints everything like pink and orange and, and very pastel y bright colors. Um, but, you know, he's like kind of living on his own and, and seeing a little bit of, of happiness for himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets flowers and he goes to, to do the interview. And when. He, she goes to do the interview. All of the other witnesses at the restaurant have refused to give statements. Um, nobody yeah. wants to say anything. Nobody wants to do anything. So Renfield shows up and he's the only one that's giving his statement. So she's hoping that with his statement um, that she'll be able to like bring down the drug people. Now, why he was able to leave the crime scene after like assisting killing all of those Lots people. Of people like yeah. yeah i mean i would think they they would have you you know at least overnight or something but anyway no so he's 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 fine so he, at that point he's like uh he goes home and he tries to like call her to like invite her out for a a, a date essentially right yeah um and then he goes home and at that point i think that's when dracula finds out right that he's yep. got his own house so when he comes home um dracula is in his house like very upset that he is not bringing him his dinner and is it seems to be more healed at this point not totally healed but at least like presentable ish right yeah um so he's like very upset that that's happening um he's trying to you know fight back in the limited way that this group has kind of told him to fight back um, which is not very well. <laughs> um, so he's like trying to fight back a little bit. Dracula is just like beating him down and obviously winning. And he's basically like, where are you getting all these ideas from? Why are you, you know, pushing back on me? And he like holds up this book. It's like how to like what, what fight or how to counter a narcissist or something or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. So he looks on the back of the book and there's like the, the church group that gave him the book is like, it has a little sticker on the back. Right. So he's like, oh, no. So Dracula just runs out the door. He's like, oh, no, he's going to go kill everybody. So he, you know, goes over there as fast as he can, uh, goes in there to, like, try to save everybody. And they're they're still fine. And he's like, OK, you all need to get out of here. We all need to leave. 
uh, Dracula comes in, does his big kind of intro, right? Yep. To scare everybody, does the whole floating to show everybody he's supernatural and strong and all that. Uh, and then kind of proceeds to uh, pretty much uh, kicks Renfield across the room. And he seems to be sailing across the room for the whole rest of this interaction. Um, I chose to believe that it's just because Dracula was doing it really fast. That's why mm-hmm. it, it shows it in normal motion while he's flying through the air in slow motion. Maybe that's maybe that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Dracula kills everybody in the group. Like, I mean, literally everybody. So he kills all of the, you know, the guy who runs the place, all of the other people that were in the, the toxic relationship anonymous group. Um, and then he just kind of leaves. He leaves Renfield there. And Renfield is very upset. Um, you know, cradles the the one, the, the guy who ran the, the group mm-hmm. uh, while he's dying, um, you know, covered in blood and crying. Um, and the cops and Aquafina show up, uh, see him you know, obviously covered in blood and, you know, it looks like he did this, right? Because obviously Dracula is not there. Um, So he gets arrested. He doesn't really fight it. And he, you know, gets put in the car and he's about to leave. Um, And she tells her partner to call it in. And he says, oh, yeah, I called it in. And then all the drug people show up. <laughs> um, The drug people and the cops. So everybody shows up basically proving that everybody is on their payroll and working for them, including her partner. Um, and the only person that's not on the payroll is her and her sister who works for the FBI, but somehow in the same building. Yep. Same yeah, local cops <laughs> and FBI. Same right. building. Yeah. They all share the same, the same thing. Um, so she gave, well, she previous to this, she had given the, the pen that she found that stabbed the dude um, to her sister to test because obviously she couldn't test her own or she couldn't trust her own department. Uh, and she basically says, like, yeah, the guy whose you know fingerprints or DNA is on this pen is like linked to like hundreds of disappearances and murders and stuff. So he may be like the most prolific serial killer of all time. But like it goes back years, so like this guy should be like a hundred years old. Basically saying that this is Renfield, right? Because Renfield right. is very old, just kept alive by his familiar powers. Yeah. Um, and that plot line is essentially just dropped. At this point, they don't ever mention the whole serial killer thing again, but um, the, obviously they have to escape. So Aquafina and uh, Renfield escape. You know, Renfield is was handcuffed and everything, and there's a bunch of shots being fired at the car and all that kind of stuff. She does get away, and then there's kind of a, a weird cut, right? After, the, after that chase is done, there's a weird cut, and she's waking up in the morning on Renfield's couch. And he mm-hmm. made her a breakfast of snickerdoodle cookies <laughs> for some reason. Anyway, so he's like trying to like be friendly and nice to her while still wearing handcuffs. And she had been shot and apparently passed out. Um, so he basically explains to her the whole thing that, you know, Dracula uh, killed everybody. And, you know, I'm, I was bad, but now I'm trying to be good. You know, I'm the only chance there is to try to like fight back against them kind of thing. Um, so she goes, okay, yeah. well, you know, the only other person I trust is my sister. Let me call her so we can help and, and figure out what to do. She calls. And of course, uh, the drug Lord lady has captured the sister and basically tells her like, you know, you need to give up, uh, Renfield or, um, you know, we're going to do bad things to your sister. So they decide that they're going to like, go get armed up and go attack the, um, drug Lords, like headquarters which is very very obvious it's like 
video game final boss headquarters obvious like in the middle of the town like yes. literally they have like their drug logo on the front of the building <laughs> right <laughs> with like big golden pillars and stuff and uh, anyway um so there's kind of a, a side story happening at this point to where um the son the drug lord's son goes to the abandoned hospital where dracula is hiding um to try to find renfield redfield wasn't there of course um so he goes there and tries to fight uh, Dracula, Dracula, of course, kills him or kills all of the people with him. Um, and then he basically starts just talking super fast to try to save his own life. And he says that, you know, hey, we do evil stuff like me and my family do evil stuff because we're criminals. Uh, so Dracula basically decides to team up with them. So he makes uh, that the son, drug lord, son guy, a familiar um, and then goes to the mom and makes a deal with the mom to where now the drug lord family is now working with dracula um so dracula like makes all of the goons all familiars yeah so they all have powers so that now if they all eat bugs they all have superpowers um so basically yeah aquafina and and renfield uh decide to attack the headquarters but now everybody is a familiar uh which doesn't seem to matter much <laughs> because nope. um he basically just fights him off anyway. I, I guess I was kind of trying to um, to rationalize this by saying, well, he's been a familiar for a lot longer. So he maybe, knows the powers better. Right. Yeah. He knows it better. He knows like maybe he's been just over time became stronger. Like maybe that's why this is so easy for him. So whatever. So they basically kill everybody. Um, they get back up to the office. Um, you know, Dracula is well. The, the the lady is there. She closes like the the shades. Dracula comes out. Um, they have kind of like a a little standoff. Renfield gets you know kind of the crap beat out of him. Um, Aquafina basically he tells her like, okay, your FBI you know sister is dead. <laughs> um, if you want me to bring her back to life. Um, you'll do whatever I say. And she's like, okay, I'll do that. And then she like sneakily behind her back opens up the shades. Um, so Dracula gets burned by the sun and then turns into bats and then flies away. Uh, but the sister is still dead. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, they basically go down, um, to have like a, another fight with Dracula, like in the basement, like the torture basement of this drug headquarters. Very much um, torture basement, yes. right? Uh, so they're fighting, and apparently they make some kind of protection circle out of cocaine yep. that that traps Dracula, and then they basically just chop him up into little bitty pieces and put all the little pieces in concrete, and then dump all the little concretes into this sewer, um, saying that Dracula may technically still be alive, but it'll take him a really, really long time to like reform himself. Um, so then the, apparently they're going to go live happily ever after. Well, he uh, Renfield uses a bunch of Dracula blood to bring back the entire support group. Right. Yeah. Brings back the sister, the FBI sister, and then brings back the entire yeah. support group. Yes. Um, and I, I was OK. We obviously saw this in the theater, right? Yeah. Um, the one lady who did not laugh until the end of the movie. Yes. And then was laughing hysterically at what this one guy said. Like, what was that all about? <laughs> like, there was a lot of bad jokes made up until that point. She was totally silent. She didn't laugh at all until the very, like, last jokes of the well, movie. I, and then she was, like, losing her mind laughing. I, 
well, because he's talking about, like, you know, you can't unsee the things I've seen. And once you're dead, we're on the other side. And, you know, he's very creeped out about being back live and not having all this knowledge. <laughs> right. But, like, again, other jokes were made. Better jokes were made. Yes. Throughout the course of the movie. Because, again, this movie is pretty much like a horror comedy. It's like a horror action comedy, right? Oh, as I said before, I predicted it without seeing it, and then I saw it. Like, it is Brandon Fraser's The Mummy with the one-liners meets what we do in the shadows. The gore. That's the best way I can explain this movie. I think. I guess. I mean, what we do in the shadows doesn't have a lot of gore. It, well, has, I mean, the, it has blood. But I mean, the familiars, the powers, and just the cooking, you know, cookiness of vamp vampires like i said meets the meets the mummy right but yeah i just I, again i just didn't understand the why that lady was laughing at those jokes specifically i mean but like losing her mind laughing like we're talking yes. big old belly laughs at those and she was totally silent for the rest of the movie i don't know I, I was like well, i don't know what's happening <laughs> but, no, but anyway yeah so uh, the, uh, yeah end end of the movie yep roll credits Yep, and there's no post-credit scenes or anything like that. Nope. Um. So what were you, I mean, this is, it just came out. What were your first thoughts on this? I mean, what were your expectations going into it, and did it um, I, meet or exceed it? I, I mean, I expected it to be, obviously, if Nicolas Cage, I saw how hammy he was being in the trailers. I knew this was going to be a comedy, right? I knew yeah. this was going to be, you know, Nicholas Cage, you know, hamming it up as much as Nicholas Cage can ham it up. Um, I knew Nicholas Holt was going to be kind of the straight man to that because he almost always is the straight man to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was basically what I expected it to be. I mean, I knew it was going to be a, a goofy comedy. I guess there was more gore than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot more swearing than I expected. I didn't really I guess I didn't expect the movie to be like R rated. Right. I kind of expected it based on, you know, the premise and the actors and the people involved and, and all that stuff. I kind of expected it to be like a PG 13 version. Um, and it was definitely yeah. not that. And I was, I was surprised that it had as much gore and as much swearing as it did. Um, like as much as the darker stuff that it had, you know, it was countered a lot by the comedy stuff, but the, the darker stuff that it had, I was kind of sort of surprised that it was there in the way that it was there. Yeah. Um, and there's interesting stuff. I mean, like, there's literally a scene where he like rips a guy's arms out of the socket and then like fights a whole bunch of other dudes with the arms. And then even throws it and impales right. people with the arms. Right. Yeah. And then like uses the arms as spears later on, which I don't know how that would work, but sure. <laughs> well, that's why I said it. It's that that was like something what we do in the shadows would do. I feel. Yeah, but what we do in the shadows is usually a little lighter on the, the gore. Yeah, like I said, there'll be there'll be blood and there'll be like you know some kind of weird thing happening, but it won't be like that. Yeah. No, um, it, it's it. I mean, it's kind of what we get into with these type of movies that we've been seeing for twenty years now. Is that kind of has gone the universal monster horror factor of it. It's more action oriented and comedy oriented now. 
and just because that's just the way they are now. Like, you know, we we saw we saw the trailer for the last voyage of of the uh, Demeter, which seems to be more horror related and a story that we really don't get to see a lot about. So I'm excited for that. You know, cause we're getting another universal Dracula movie this year. So this is more of the lighthearted gore fun fest versus, you know, friend zone and the, the, the mirror. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Essentially this, this is, yeah. To, to sum it up, it's, it's an R rated horror themed action comedy. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, yeah. I wouldn't consider it a horror movie, but it definitely has a horror theme, obviously, because there's vampires and Dracula. Yeah. Um. So, what are your what are your highlights? Um, highlight is going to be uh the beginning the the very when they showed the black and white versions <laughs> of the, of Nicholas Cage and Nicholas Holt like literally reenacting like you know exact the 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 original Dracula. It was that was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that absolutely is a highlight. Like, it painstakingly recreated everything. I mean, how long do you think that took to do for that short little bit? Um, I don't know, at least a week. <laughs> I mean, but I'm saying it's, it's so such shot for shot. Yeah, no, it's it's literally exact. I mean, like the props are identical. Like the the way that they move is identical. The the things that they say are identical. I mean, everything is is spot on, perfect. Yeah. Like even they even have like the the scene where they they zoom in on like Nicolas Cage's eyes and they have like the light over yep. just his <laughs> eyes, like literally yeah. exactly how nineteen thirty one Bella Lugosi was. Yes. Um. I mean, yeah the the atmosphere for that was was spot. I completely agree with that being a highlight. Um, and let's, you know, Nick Cage being able to be an actual vampire versus vampire's kiss. <laughs> right. I feel like this is his, he wanted to do this just to be, to go back into that spot. I don't think, I don't think he is as hammy in this as he was in vampire's kiss. But he's uh, still Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. And again, I, I think he just, he pretty much just takes every script that's thrown his way. I mean, yeah, don't be wrong. He's, he's great a lot of times, not all the yeah. time. <laughs> Sometimes he just, you know, phones it in, but he's still wacky. Um, but no, he, he has some like outstanding performances, even lately, you know, even with all the hammy stuff in between. You know, like yeah. I think he literally went from like Willie's Wonderland, which was a good movie, but a very hammy, goofy version of him, right? Um, to like mm-hmm. Pig. Did you watch Pig? No. I mean, like award worthy performance. I mean, outstanding performance in that movie. And they like literally, they're like at the same time, like back to back movies. So it's right. like he can he can pump out some crazy stuff and he can go back and forth. He's a great actor. He just kind of just does everything. He does whatever the hell he wants, which is basically everything that's thrown at him. Yeah, he 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 can be a great actor when he wants to be, and he can completely chew the scenery if he yep. wants to as well. Right, right. Uh, Nicholas Holt, he does some interesting things. Um, I mean, he's he's been around a lot of stuff. He was in uh, Fury Road. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was in the, the X Men, the first class X version of X Men. He was. 
beast there. I mean, he's done some interesting stuff that I like him in. Um, he's also done some he things. Did warm in, bodies, which yeah. is like, no, yeah. not don't say good. Don't say it. I'm not saying good. I'm okay, just saying thank you. A, diff- a different, a different take <laughs> on the zombie genre. Well, where yeah. all of a sudden they can have a beating heart and come back to being human. Yeah. Because they're in love. Correct. Lame. Yeah. Uh, what? what are your what are your low points then for this movie? Uh, low points. I mean, just a lot of the jokes don't hit. You know, a lot of the jokes are are miss. You know, just the, I mean, the overall jokiness of it is, I think, a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, again, for a rated R movie, I don't know. Again, they were kind of like, um, the most of the jokes felt like they were PG thirteen jokes. Yeah, and they but they were put in an R-rated movie. It was a little bit off. It felt a little bit off. Um, again, not necessarily bad, but it just it felt like a bit off. Again, like I, I, felt, I felt like yeah, I felt like this movie was probably written as a PG thirteen movie, and they just kind of amped up the action <laughs> to make it um, more rated R. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's yeah. what it, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like a PG thirteen movie that somebody like gave the rated R treatment to. Yeah, how do we make this? Okay, this is this is comical. How do we make it R? All the cussing and all the violence and gore. Right. It, it almost felt like and it's kind of like one did. of those movies that was filmed one way and then they don't think it worked, so they went back and like reshot a lot of stuff <laughs> to like make it into a different <laughs> way, like what they did with the original Suicide Squad. You know, like right. they, they shot it one way and then they were like, no, nah, we don't like this direction. Let's go back and reshoot a whole bunch of stuff and then change everything. Right. It felt like it felt like that. Yeah. I mean, you I mean. My low point, uh, you, you know, I, I won't say it on here. You know, one of my low points is because of that person. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I don't, man. She's been great in a lot of things. I don't, I don't know why you dislike <laughs> her so much. Again, I, I'm not going to say she's my favorite or anything, but she's done a lot, a lot of cool stuff. Like she, like she was great in The Expanse. She even does a voice in Destiny. I know. Um, no low points. It, it's, I, I think with, like the Invisible Man, that we got from Blumhouse that we showed that we can have serious horror movies with these universal icons. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I've never been a big fan of it being such action oriented. And that's, you still see it here. Like it, the, you can do these well without, you can, I think we should make these horror movies again with these, with these icons. We don't need to be action heavy oriented as, as we'll discuss in the future episode, the failed dark universes, they tried that and it doesn't work. And maybe comedic is one way, but I think we need to, I'm hoping the last voyage of the mirror is a move in the right direction. And that Blumhouse doing this stuff is a move in the right direction to bring these elements of horror, this atmosphere back to these icons. I mean, I hope so. I mean, again, the potential is there. It's just Dracula is going to be a kind of hard sell because yeah. that that's something that has been done to death. So it's going right. to be really hard to get people to look at that with a fresh eye. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard for somebody to make a movie with a fresh eye on that. 
Um, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it's going to take it's going to take some special people <laughs> to to make something interesting to try to revive that character and, and in a place where you would want them to move forward as that version of it. You know, yes, like this one, like yeah, Nicolas Cage was funny and great as Dracula, but do you want to see a Dracula movie with just him? No. Not this version of him. It would be a comedy, no. right? I mean, yeah, right. like I don't, yeah, I don't want to see that. Well, no, I I, th- I may I see think, that, but I don't want that to be the part the the you know the universal monster universe, right? No, I I think I think as you said, with the right care and the right people, you can do it really well. Because I mean, we've had great vampire movies that are still horror, you know, like Thirty Days of Night, uh, Dracula Two Thousand. That it can be done near dark. It near dark is really good. Yeah, it doesn't have to be action to be a great way of portraying vampires or Frankenstein's monster or whatever it may be you can do it well I think we we're, we need to move back into that direction we need to make them scary or yeah. atmospheric yeah I'm on board but like you said the Invisible Man movie I think did a really good job in that realm um, well, took a character that always- wasn't even really scary to begin with no, well, at least not to us, but no, he, he was always campy. He was like the wisecracking thief in the originals. Right. He was never a serious character. And I think with the use of technology, we, you can use the, you know, we've always done the bloodborne illnesses of vampirism to do it. And I think you can do it again. I think yeah. that's the path. Yeah, yeah, like now. I said, you can. It's just, it's been, it's been so done. I mean, like it was just like the strain. Is not that old. Mm-hmm. That was no. <laughs> that was the, the series literally built on that, right? Um, but yeah, I, 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 sorry. Another low point is bugs. Bugs are bugs are gross. There's lots so of. You're bugs saying you wouldn't snort a, you wouldn't snort the centipede. Oh, which I don't know how snorting the centipede would do it. Oh, <laughs> it's gross. But yeah, there's lots of bugs in this movie. I wasn't a fan of it. Thankfully, they weren't as prevalent as I thought they were going to be, but. Still gross. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, then, how many children of the night of ten would you give this one? Ah, uh, man, I don't. I'm trying to think, compared to the other two, where do where do I want to put this one? Uh huh. I'm gonna say probably below both, but not that much below. So I'll do five. Five children of the night out of ten. Yeah, I mean it. I I don't disagree with you. I'm I'm going down to a five as well. I mean, will I watch it again with the wife? Yes. Did I fall asleep for about ten minutes of this movie? Yes. <laughs> but it it needs to it needed to be something more. Like I said, as I said before, I'm hoping the last voyage of Mir that's something. Yeah, that one looks. Yeah, that that one looks, looks like it'll be more fun. But didn't look like there's any comedy in that. One. Correct. So I, I have high hopes, and we'll probably revisit other vampire movies when we get to that, just because it's you know, the more horror route with, with these things. Right. So I'm looking forward to that episode as well. Oh, yeah. All right. Why don't you go ahead and bring us out there, sir? All right. Uh, it is time to head back to the cabin, grab the book, and get groovy with even more deadites. Join us as we dive back into the woods in our 88 Delta and see if anything can topple the king.
And remember, we watch bad movies so you don't have to. And this has been Graveyard saying, have you checked on the children? This is Salem saying, long live the new flesh. Good night. Good night.